0: Welcome to Living Life. Have you ever cried out for justice and been really enraged when you see somebody that you believe is guilty actually go free? What does that do to you? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, there's actually a saying in the legal system, the criminal system, that says better a 100 guilty men go free than one innocent person be wrongfully convicted. Now, I know that you probably have some question or problem with that statement, but that is the core of the criminal system in terms of the search for the truth. Well, with God, God already knows the truth, and he already knows who commits crimes and who doesn't, but our system doesn't always know that because Back in these times, we did not have the technology like fingerprint evidence and now DNA to really focus in on who committed the crime. Now, God doesn't need fingerprint evidence or DNA. He knows, but we don't know. And so God's system is a system that looks for perfect justice, but also perfect fairness the system so that a person who is not guilty actually will go free and the person that is guilty will be punished and will receive what they deserve. So let's take a look at the passage and see how this all reflects upon God's perfect justice and his perfect righteousness but also his perfect fairness to those who are caught in the web of crime. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verses 15
1: through 21. One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse someone of a crime, the two people involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and the judges who are in office at the time. The judges must make a thorough investigation. And if the witness proves to be a liar giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot.
0: Welcome back to Living Life. As I was talking about earlier, God is very concerned that the innocent are protected from having to serve and be punished for something they did not do. And in the same respect, he does not let the guilty go unpunished. Our system is supposed to reflect the perfect justice, righteousness, and fairness of God, which it doesn't always do, but it's supposed to reflect that. Now, when we look at this particular passage, uh, at least two to three witnesses were necessary to establish any fact with respect to a crime. So one person couldn't come and accuse another person of a crime, and then they would be convicted on that. The Bible says, in God's word says, at least two or three witnesses would be necessary. However, our system today allows for one witness uh, to essentially uh, establish a fact against someone else if they're believed by the jury. And not only that, uh, there may be, just be circumstantial evidence by which someone could be convicted, not even on eyewitness testing, but just circumstantial evidence today. It shows us where our system is and what God sees and knows and what God desires for rights of the accused to be protected. Now, when we look at this a little more, uh, the two or three witnesses uh, not only have to come forth to establish a fact, but those witnesses will be investigated. It will be determined whether or not they're telling the truth or not by these judges or these elders that investigate these particular witnesses. So the witnesses should not be biased or interested. They should be witnesses who are telling the truth. And we know that God's command, one of his commands, it shows us how serious he is. It's about bearing false witness against your neighbor. And it in the courthouse, Many times you'll also see a Bible where somebody puts their hand on the Bible and they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help them God. This principle came from the fact, biblically, to show just how serious it is when one is bearing witness and presumably not false witness against their neighbor, even in a trial setting, because God does not want someone to be falsely accused and not only falsely accused, but falsely convicted. This reminds me of the trial when Jesus went before he went to the cross, where the ruling council arrested him and they brought him before the Sanhedrin, before the ruling council, before the Pharisees, and they had their mind made up already about Jesus, and they so-called gave him due process, an opportunity to be heard, but their mind was already made up. It was a made up, it was a bogus trial that Jesus went through. Falsely accused, falsely convicted. This is the kind of thing that God was trying to prevent, and we see what happened with Jesus. Not only that, but when we look at this, God is so serious about it. He says if one is caught lying and one is caught perjuring themselves, then that person, there should be no pity. That person should be removed from the community. And not only that, but... The very thing that this witness was trying to do to harm that person should be done to that witness. God makes this distinction when he uses the word malice. Malice is when you have committed yourself and you intend to do harm to someone. We saw this malice distinction also uh, earlier on when we looked at the cities of refuge, malice in terms of intending to harm someone versus unintentional and not intended to harm. We see this malice again where a witness comes and tells a complete fabrication to harm someone's reputation and to harm their livelihood, but not only that, but to take away their liberty and even sometimes cause them to suffer death under a death penalty. You see, that's what happened with Jesus when his false accusers came. He ultimately went to the cross and suffered death because of their false accusation. But their false accusations was to our benefit because he went to the cross as our substitute, as the Lamb of God on our behalf, and he paid our price he paid for our sins and now we have life today eternal life today because he suffered the false accusation the false conviction and he suffered and paid the penalty for us this tells us about our Savior not only is he a God of perfect justice not only is he a God of perfect righteousness, not only is he a God of perfect mercy and grace, but he is a God of perfect love. And the cross shows us that perfect love. Which one? Do you want to receive from God? Do you want the perfect justice of God and get what you deserve for your conduct in this life? Or do you want the perfect grace of God? For by grace we have been saved through faith, the scriptures tell us. You choose. I pray that you will choose the perfect grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your perfect grace in Jesus Christ, Father. We pray, oh God, to those who are listening and those who are watching this broadcast, that if they are wavering between two kingdoms, Father, I pray, Father, that they will receive your grace through faith and come into the amazing, marvelous kingdom of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.